welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> he made his home in the deep water holes in the rainforests, lurking in the gloom by day and roaming the earth by night during the time of darkness. He brought fear to the tribes, threatening to devour any human he might meet. Ooh, just a just a sampler there on, on really what we can expect out of our creature feature this week. The bunyip. Looming on the horizon. Oh, yeah. It's very spooky, very scary, and uh, and I'm excited to jump right into this. Let's uh, talk about it. This will be a fun little adventure. Uh, first, yeah, welcome to the Folklore on the Rocks. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And our creature feature this week is the bunyip. Bunyip. Coming to us all the way from Australia. This is a really fun story. I've really have kind of a fun connection with Australia. I had a t- I had a chance to go down there for a couple months a few years ago and learn a little bit about the culture there, spend some real time there, and it was a really fun adventure. Uh, the people are beautiful, the food was amazing, everything, all the good stuff you've heard about it, totally true. Uh, uh, any of the bad stuff, well, I didn't really encounter a whole lot of it. So uh, it's all wrong. Yep. All I did, of it. Didn't meet, I, I did lose a, did lose a fight with a spider one time, but I was, oh I was God. very, very drunk then. <laughs> I believe both of those statements. I was armed with a flip flop. <laughs> How big was the spider? Pretty big. Oh my god! I mean, it's Australia. Of course, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, and and it is a it is a different kind of world down there. Um, one of the things that is easy to uh, tie all of the Australian uh, myths that have made it over to the United States together is that they're myths that um, were told to the colonists, and that's how things mm-hmm. got got written down. And and many of them are changed from the older aboriginal tales and some of them are a a european take on right. the the things that they would see down there yeah that makes sense and because it was a country that things were being explored and discovered every single day it was an entirely new world very hostile and alien to the people who were settling in there mm-hmm. um you get a lot of really great stories coming out of australia yeah i mean i can't imagine um the these colonists coming over and and Australia being the place that they're going to right like you take their lives there mm-hmm. and then halfway across the world this unexplored land of these super interesting people but completely foreign to them oh totally yeah and it's just culture shock you know and most of them didn't have uh, much of a say in the fact that they were there yeah <laughs> since they were. <laughs> exported from the country but man i i just can't imagine the shock that they had right and then the shock that the aboriginals had too yeah yeah suddenly like, who are these weird people <laughs> that have no idea about our culture yeah and they don't know how to live here they think they're going to tell us how to live and they they just showed up and started dying <laughs> <laughs> Because it's Australia. Yeah. And yeah, that's that actually is a great kind of tie into today's uh, today's drink. Uh, Lindsay, what have we got? Uh, this is... We have the bunyip. Oh, yes, yes. We do. And, and this one, oh, this is a very, very nice drink. Lindsay, what's in this? This drink is black spiced rum, and mm-hmm. we recommend getting Australian rum. Oh, yeah, if you can. Um, because that makes it even more Australian. <laughs> and... Lemon juice, so about half of a lemon, uh, some simple syrup, and then three splashes of chocolate bitters. Yeah, it does have kind of a dark and almost a muddy kind of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. And it does make me think of, you know, one of those those dark billabongs yeah, down the there. Yeah, the salt <laughs> yeah. billabongs that a bunyip would be. Yeah. It's perfect. Um and and really, there to start any any real examination of Australian folklore, you have to address that... Um, when, when I say to people, oh, I would go back to Sydney in a heartbeat, um, people say, oh, not me. Everything there wants to kill you. And yes, that is kind of true. Part of the fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the, between the sharks, the spiders, the crocodiles, the snakes, um, it wasn't a place that was very friendly to people who didn't know, you know, how to get along. Yeah. How to take care of themselves. But that also spurs a tough people, and it also spurs a lot of great stories and imagination okay. from an area. Uh, and that's kind of where you get the bunyip. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the bunyip. What what is it? First of all, um, there's there've been quite a few descriptions, and let me find one here. This is 
All right. Yeah. So this is from an 1845 newspaper article. It says, The bunyip, then, is represented as uniting the characteristics of a bird and of an alligator. It has a head resembling an emu with a long bill, and at the extremity of which is a transverse projection on each side with serrated edges like the bone of a stingray. Its body and legs partake of the nature of an alligator. The hind legs are remarkably thick and strong, and the forelegs are much longer, but still of great strength. The extremities are furnished with long claws. But, the natives say, its usual method of killing its prey is by hugging it to death. <laughs> when in the water it swims like a frog, and when on shore it walks on its hind legs with its head erect, in which position it measures 12 or 13 feet in height. So that's a, that's, that's a good little opener right there for... 12 or 13 feet in height? Yeah, it's a big old thing. Um, yeah. It is usually... A, a weird amalgam <laughs> of creatures. Yes, that's a big, big part of it. Um, because uh, many of the, the descriptions of what is actually in Australia came from uh, just trying to make sense out of, well, it's kind of like this and it's kind of like this other thing we've seen mm -hmm. somewhere else. Things like the platypus, for example, where you, you can Does say bizarre creature. Oh, totally. Very, very strange animal. And to, well, you know, Europeans who come to this country, they say, oh, well, it's it's part beaver, part duck, and it's got, mm -hmm. uh, somehow it, it has some kind of venom to it. What's going on with this strange and creature? And it lays eggs? And it lays eggs what for some this? reason. Yeah, nothing about this is natural. <laughs> and that's kind of uh, where they landed on uh, the bunyip. It is a, it is a chimera amalgamation kind of mm -hmm. creature it has some of this and some of that and one of the fun things about the bunyip is that it has all kinds of descriptions to it sometimes it's covered right. in shaggy gray hair sometimes it has feathers sometimes it has scales like a snake or crocodile those are a little bit all, all over the place there's been some conjecture that it can change what it looks like okay. um but maybe it, subspecies yeah and and really it's more of a concept of of a supernatural danger in the water Right. Another reason to be wary of something yeah, yeah, in yeah. Australia, <laughs> which is basically all of the things. All of them. Yeah. And it is, it, from what I can understand, it is a, it, there's not just one bunyip. It's uh, it's not a, an individual. It is a species. Right. That, of that makes sense. I mean, it's a very large continent. Mm -hmm. So it makes a lot of sense that there would be multiple of these because there's so many sightings. Yeah. Um, they would have to be all over the place, right? Yeah. Now, now I haven't found any reference to them moving in packs or family <laughs> units in any way. They seem to be individuals. Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of information or imagination uh, that's been put forth toward their life cycle. Are they egg layers? Do they migrate to salt water to Tell us the make facts. their nests? <laughs> Come on, yeah, we want to know all about the bunyip. What is it? How it do? <laughs> How do the bunyip do? Indeed. <laughs> I mean, we can make that up if we want. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it, you, it, this is opportunity for a healthy dose of imagination. Maybe it's just a really, really, really big platypus. Very possible. Um, there's actually some conjecture that this this myth comes from some kind of cultural memory of a, a an older prehistoric animal that actually did live in Australia. Oh, hey, I like that a lot. Yeah, actually. that makes that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. because we know there's a lot of oral tradition. Yeah, yeah, right? and that the people have been uh, the Aboriginals. The Aboriginal people have been there for a very, very long time. Very long time. And so they might actually have stories and cave drawings and some kind of memory. Of, of something that is no longer alive. That's mm -hmm. very, very real. Um, I remember I had the chance to go to uh, the Museum of Natural History in Sydney, mm -hmm. and they have, uh, they have a video of me being asked to leave by security because <laughs> uh, I had had too much to drink, and I, I thought the reconstruction of this particular animal was just too funny. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> uh, if I'm thinking of the, the same one, it, it's a... Uh, it's a prehistoric, um, yeah, it's a, it's a prehistoric marsupial. 
Okay. So, and a good chunk of animals in Australia are marsupials. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of halfway between, uh, you know, animal and something earlier. Maybe an ancestor. Yeah. It still lays eggs still. And it's partly, uh, from a, from a biological perspective, it's a good adaptation to living in a place that doesn't have a whole lot of water that, uh, that conditions vary quite a bit if if an animal has to move from place to place. Mm -hmm. So it, it is this, uh, the animal, it is a diprotodon. Diprotodon. Yes, and it is a uh, prehistoric. Sounds like a Logan word. It is. A, it is kind of a Logan word. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. It's a now extinct. We believe uh, marsupial that was about the size of a what, what we would Unless think it's of. The bunyip. Yeah, when we would think of like a cow or a horse, it's about more that size. Okay. Um, so I mean that that's in line with the description that yeah you told us yeah. Right? And, uh, and the reconstruction that they had at the museum that had shaggy gray fur and markings not unlike a, a large koala bear. But it, oh, so cuddly. It definitely has that marsupial face to it. Okay. That makes it very much a signature creature of Australia. So that's a very real possibility as the basis for the bunyip. Uh, now, that was a land-dwelling mammal, uh, or marsupial. Uh, not really sure how much it would have hung out in the water. Yeah, I mean, creatures adapt. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and there's Evolution always... happens. Maybe and, that, that occurred. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and we all know that if you've even just seen Crocodile Dundee, the, <laughs> the, the water in Australia has an element of danger. You never know what you're going to find in there. Yeah. So while there may not be something waiting to hug you to death, there may be something else in there for you. He just wants cuddles, Logan. Yeah. He just wants cuddles. <laughs> No one will love him. Yeah. <laughs> because they end up dying every time. But he's gigantic and <laughs> Oh, the poor bunny. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's part of it. Uh it does have kind of a, a cutesy soft name and while many of the especially the older stories of uh, of the bunny tell it as a as a fearsome and terrifying creature, um the modern perception of it is well, Australians have kind of taken a little bit of pride in, in their own cryptid that they have there. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have some, actually some really interesting cryptids. Oh, they do. Um, yeah. And we'll explore them in the future too, but like they have their own version of uh, a Sasquatch type creature called the Yowie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won't keep going into them, but yeah. they're, they're cool. They have some really interesting creatures that and are a really cool like mix of all of the cultures that have been there exactly yes they had they all have um a different blend of sensibility mm-hmm. to them uh they are you know uh, many times uh, predatory and, and scary animals however they usually have a little bit of something that makes them almost funny mm-hmm. uh or at least makes them an interesting story to tell right because that's how it gets passed on yeah i mean you, you can just think of this file of all the creatures that didn't make didn't make the cut (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that someone told a story about once and it wasn't cool enough because all of the creatures in australia are so cool anyway yep right you know too boring (laughs) (laughs) and now we have the bunyip let's let's jazz it up some and the drop bear (laughs) and the drop bear yeah put those corks on your hats (laughs) um so back to the uh, our, our bunyip here because it's kind of our spotlight for the week boy it's a for one it is almost uh, all of the stories about it uh it is limited to living in fresh water it doesn't like the kind of mixing estuaries it doesn't like to oh, okay. swim in from the coast that's interesting um and that's actually led to some people saying that it the early accounts of it may have actually been a seal that came too far inland oh. um and now while wow, that's very possible seal. yeah and yeah, uh, we we're not going to rule anything out. <laughs> um, there was actually uh, for a time back in the 1800s, someone that put up a display that they had found a bunyip skull. Uh, okay. Now it was, as it turns out, uh, probably a deformed calf or, or or cow or maybe even a horse skull. Kind of like the the mermaid. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it it did kind of help to perpetuate this story and bring it forward. Um, that it is something to watch out for, that there is there's scientific evidence, therefore it's a possibility. Yeah, and I'm sure that helped it survive, too, as, as a story, as a cryptid. Yeah. For sure. Really, it, it's part of that uh, variance in description that lets it kind of survive. No one's looking for one thing in particular. Usually it's just, oh, a noise you heard in the swamp or an odd shape you saw in the water. Uh, another, Yeah, here's another description here. Uh, it's 
The bunyip is said to be an amphibious animal and is variously described, sometimes as a gigantic snake, sometimes as a species of a rhinoceros. With smooth, pulpy skin and a head like that of a calf, sometimes as a huge pig, its body yellow crossed with black stripes. It is also said to be something more than an animal, and among its supernatural attributes are the cold, awesome, uncanny feeling which creeps over a company at night when the bunyip becomes the subject of conversation, and a certain magnetic atmosphere supposed to envelop the creature and to spread a deadly influence for some space around, rendering even its vicinity dangerous, is particularly dwelt upon. I love that. I love yeah. the the ominous dread that hits a party of people. Yeah. That, That's a really the, cool element. Even talking about it kind of calls it out of the shadows a little bit. Yeah. And w- I mean, I think the chimeric elements are, are really present in that one as well. Yeah. Um, people don't know what they're looking for. They just know they should be afraid of it. Yeah, that was from uh, uh, actually a female author in early in Australia. Uh, this is by Campbell Prade, uh, an article that was just titled "The Bunyip," and she did it in 1891. So it's definitely That's the really cool. the colonists' view of this story yeah, and the interpretation account. of it. Uh, and there's definitely a fear to it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I mean, in the shoes of a colonist at that location, right? Yeah. You're already terrified of literally everything that's everything. around you. Yeah. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that there's just one more thing that um, that you probably haven't seen, probably. Yeah, and, and some of the other fantastic things that they've seen, well, sure, if that's a possibility, why not the bunyip? Yeah, just add <laughs> add the element of this and add the element of this. This is the scariest part of this thing. Yeah. This is the weird thing I saw out of the corner of my eye. I think it was this. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a a weird and wondrous land that they suddenly found themselves in. Mm-hmm. I like that there's a lot of different descriptions of it. Yeah, me too. And I like that th- there hasn't been a whole lot of work done to force a homogenization of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there hasn't been, this is what the bunyip looks like. It has horns and goat and goat hooves. Or, no, it's, it, it, it just looks like whatever. Uh, it's almost as if you have your own bunyip to be uh, afraid <laughs> I love of. that. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break right here for a promo of a different podcast. Yep, we like all the other podcasts. We, we can all play, play nicely in the sandbox. <laughs> um, so this one is perfect for this episode. It's called Strange Animals. Mm. And um, I mean, the title is pretty self-explanatory. It's about strange animals. So it, uh, she covers awesome topics of like living extinct and imaginary animals. So it fits right in line with the kind of stuff we do with our creature features. Yeah. Um, her episodes are usually like 15 minutes or so and they are kid friendly. So if you want a, a digestible version of the kind of stuff that we do and that you want to play with your kids around these, this podcast is perfect for you. That's awesome. Uh, it's really cool that, I mean, really these stories, they are, they they can be for everybody. And I know that we are kind of a mature language one because we want to talk to our, our peers out there. Mm-hmm. But I love that there is something out there that someone could share with, with their kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's really so, cool. Here it is. Yeah. Strange Animals Podcast brings you weekly episodes about surprising, mysterious, or just plain strange animals. From jellyfish to dragons, Tune in to discover your new favorite animal. Find us at strangeanimalspodcast.com or download us through your favorite podcast app. I actually really like that uh, a couple years back, the Australian government put up some stamps oh, yeah? celebrating the bunyip. And they it came in four variations. None of them look even remotely the same. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. It, yeah, like like four different kinds of yeah. interpretations of the bunyip. Yeah, some have, you know, pangolin or armadillo scales. Some have wings. Some have, you know, it's, it, it's definitely a fantastical creature. That's awesome. Yeah, um, we'll definitely have those in the show notes because <laughs> that's really cool. And a good way a good way to encompass all of the different versions of the bunyip that there are. That's, yeah. that's cool. So it's it's lovable and deadly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really feel like that that's 
part of the overall attitude that Australia has towards its own stories. Yeah, things are deadly, but if you can't laugh about it and relax and have that no worries attitude, then maybe you're living in the wrong place. Right. I mean, you got to live with it. Yeah. Right. And, and and what do you get? You get glorious beaches. You get, you get beautiful beaches. You get great beer. I think beer, that's a good trade Good wine. Yeah. Attractive people. Yeah. There's some good stuff down in Australia. I could put up with some creatures. Yeah. For that. I could. Mm-hmm. You did. Yeah, yep. And I'd go back. <laughs> <laughs> and and really, uh, what, I, what I do like is that there is a lighthearted attitude uh, in general to these stories. I remember when I was uh, when I was there, I had a particularly uh, he was he was something of an antisocial roommate for the job that I was working with, and uh, we took a day to go visit the Australia Zoo, which was awesome. I believe it because it was for one uh, uh, the Taronga Zoo, uh, which is in Sydney, has it, the all the architecture was originally designed to be a menagerie. Um, it is a traditional Victorian. You know, animals in cages for display kind of layout. Mm-hmm. And then they looked a lot into animal de- animal behavior and what are the stressing factors for an animal in captivity. Right. And they said, okay, how about we redesign the zoo to be a little bit more conducive to animals being happy and living good lives? So they completely that's, that's changed. That's hugely commendable. Yeah, they changed huge parts of the Taronga Zoo while keeping a lot of the buildings the same. Mm-hmm. Um, just little things instead of, it, it, like for example, now instead of walking above the Monkey Island, now the walkway goes through the Monkey Island in th- uh, through what is now a forested area down inside the enclosure. Okay. Because animals don't like to be looked down upon. They would right. rather, you know, look down and well, approach probably, people on their own terms. That's probably why monkeys adapted to go into trees. You can see what's going on around you, right? Yeah, well, and, and so... Uh, monkeys and, and birds, they, they brought a bunch over four for this. And now they've also made the shift a little bit more towards uh, uh, in, uh, indigenous animals. Well, animals that are actually from Australia and, yeah. and do have some pride there. It doesn't need to be this collection of, behold, the exotic treasures gathered from around the world. They have exotic treasures. Yeah. And one thing that I, I thought was really funny, back to that, that sense of humor. Uh, well, when I went to the Taronga Zoo with my roommate, we, uh, we decided, okay, we don't really know this zoo. Let's get a, let's get a tour guide. So we got some, some really wonderful older lady who was, Always smart to yeah, get a tour guide. who was, who was volunteering at the zoo that day mm-hmm. to take us around. And she showed us the platypus and she showed us all the different things, you know, that you would expect on, on the, on Australian zoo, uh, zoo tour. Just, just to be kind of a jerk, I turned to her. I said, I "said Could you show us where you keep the drop bear?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she, without missing a beat, just kind of looks at me with a twinkle in her eye and says, "Oh yeah, he's right over here." And we start walking toward the enclosure where they keep the drop bear. Now, for those of you out there who don't know. The drop bear is another cryptid in Australia. Uh-huh. It is it is a story that usually you tell to people to get them to look a little silly. Mm-hmm. It, it it is essentially it's a giant carnivorous koala bear that that drops on you. Yes, it drops out of the trees without warnings. Uh, <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> um, and it's really something to watch out for, and it can vanish without a trace. So she takes us to an outdoor uh, enclosure. That has nothing in it. Uh, and, it, and I could tell it was, they were migrating, you know, they were Moving changing out animals or mm-hmm. just an empty enclosure. But she immediately starts to feign a great deal of, of anxiety oh and distress <laughs> that the drop bear is not in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> and I play along with it and I say, oh, well, what are we going to do? Do we have any hats with the corks on them? We need to get some, some precautions in place right now. <laughs> and my, my roommate who, again, was bound and determined to have no fun on this whole trip, starts to get really worried that, <laughs> this, that this carnivorous, terrible creature has escaped its enclosure. We need to get police out here right away. Um, and it was just so uh, this old you know, zoo volunteer and I could have a good laugh at his expense. Um, but that's part of what I experienced to be the attitude from Australia as a whole toward cryptids and the unknown and even the more dangerous things in this life. Absolutely. Um, I, lo- I love that she she picked right up on what you were 
what you were putting down. Yeah, yeah. I should have asked where they were, where, where their bunyip was, but the, that would require a large water enclosure, and that's I'm not true. really sure that they had one of those. That's so funny. That that's such a fun experience, and it serves him right for not having fun. Exactly. Go to it's Australia and not have any fun. How can you? That's not possible. Come exactly. On. on top of it, we were there with a dang circus, and you know, if you're if you run off and join the circus, have a little bit of fun with it. Come uh, on. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Nate, man, I hope you're cheering up. He's out there in the world. Not sure if he's listening. <laughs> I hope so. So, uh, you said a circus. Tell me more about that. Oh, well, it's it's only somewhat a circus. So, it's a non... For, first of all, there are no animals involved in it. It is just... It is only a people show. Mm-hmm. And it's gymnasts and acrobats and high divers and fire spinners and the usual, you know, exotic performances all the cool gathered shit. from around the world. And we travel to whoever wants to hire this kind of traveling act and i get to be the guy who grabs the microphone and says ladies and gentlemen and not to worry folks he's okay <laughs> so, <laughs> which is the perfect job for you it's a, it the really perfect a fun job. job for you <laughs> um it is hard to do life traveling and uh mm-hmm. no that, out and about i believe that it's it's a tough life yeah Oh, it is. Uh, but it's a cool way to also get out and see the world mm-hmm. and see how other people live their lives and gather stories from places that aren't here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Growing up in Utah, it's made me have a real open mind for getting out there and seeing the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, Utah can be a very sheltered place. Yes, um, it can. So every time you leave and go somewhere a little bit different or significantly different, it's kind of a culture shock to you in the best possible way. No, it totally uh, because is. you because you ab- absorb, I think, more of what's going on, what's different. Yeah. Um, so that's a really cool aspect because someone who is, you know, a seasoned traveler may not take the time to notice a lot of those little things. Yeah, and and really, what's funny uh, when I spent time uh, spent time in Sydney. Was it is mostly just waiting on cars and trains and hanging out in hotel rooms and setting up and tearing down our sets and mm-hmm. um, it wasn't until I rented a bike that I really fell in love with the city because then you get yeah. to see it from your own perspective you get to choose where you're going you get to hear what's going on around you instead of being enclosed in a car. Mm-hmm. Pro traveling tip: if you're going to be in any city for any amount of time, see if you can rent a bike. Um, That's a great idea. Because then you'll really feel like you saw it instead of just you went there. Well, and you're going at, you're going at a slow enough pace that you can take in what's around you. Yeah. yeah. Get the vibe for a place. Mm-hmm. It was great riding down there. It was, you know, beautiful. I was down there uh, in their springtime, but it sure felt like summertime. I believe it. Yeah. And, you know, compared to uh, the weather up here in Utah this time of year. Yeah. Uh, there was snow. Yeah. As but, I drove up here. But, so. you know. On that same note, I got myself a new bike. Yes, you did. Yeah, I got one of these fat tire cruisers, and its name is actually the Monster. So I thought it would fit our podcast to a T. (laughs) Its tires are massive. Yep. So I'm going to get it out in the snow and learn to ride there, too. It'll be a good time. (laughs) Like I said a couple of weeks ago, (laughs) please don't die. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to take more than that to take me out. Yeah, I 100% believe that. <laughs> <laughs> the bunyip is something that that really lends itself to fun stories and those kind of lighthearted uh sending sending your friends out on a snipe hunt kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's like a really really big snipe. Yeah, it really is. Uh and and the idea that it wants to hug you to death, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> so adorable. <laughs> In the worst way. <laughs> but there's also been some some rumination on on this idea that uh, it's an old memory of something truly terrifying. Right. Yeah. Like um, we talked about with holdovers from, from long ago. Yeah. And it's, it's about interpretation and presenting something again for somebody uh, so that they can enjoy it and, and get a little bit of a rush out of hearing the story. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's thrilling. It is kind of like the account that we heard earlier. It's got this, this sense of dread and, and ominous fear that that come with it, the tales that surround it. Yeah. But at the same time, some accounts are 
he's a little bit more cutesy and some he's a little bit more terrifying. A little bit, yeah. So he he can be whatever you want him to be. And that's one of the coolest elements of cryptids. Yeah, there's a there there have been uh, representations of the bunyip in children's uh, television shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a creature that has been interpreted a lot of different ways. All, all the way, I guess a, an analog, I guess, would be vampires, for example. Vampires, you know, they can be truly terrifying monsters from you know, time immemorial, or they can be Count Chocula. Who's the best? <laughs> Blah. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, or like the Count from Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah. Ah, you, ah, you can ah, take ah. those elements and, and jumble them up a little bit differently. Uh-huh. Make it a little less threatening, yeah. I think, too. That helps. Especially when you're maybe teaching your kids about the history of your country and the creatures there and the mythology there. I think that's probably part of that, yeah. too. Uh, making it a little bit more palatable for, for children. But also, it's a it's a good lesson to stay away from uh, yes. the the from water banks the and, the, and the billabongs. I mean, those are things that you want your children to stay away from. You don't want your kid gonna go, oh yeah, wander in a billabong and drown, right? <laughs> so cautionary tales. Yeah, I I kind of chalk up my open minded to the uh, attitude toward the supernatural to a story that my parents told me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, one of the ladies that watched me and my sister while my parents were at work lived next to a drainage canal mm-hmm. that was frequently full of water that you didn't want kids playing in. No. <laughs> uh, so uh, my parents told us that do not go near there. A dragon lives in that water. I love that. And they. And that's so your parents. Yeah, and they never retracted that lie <laughs> maybe it still lives there Logan. yeah maybe it does maybe it's it was there before i got there it'll be there long after it's like a pete's dragon thing mm-hmm. <laughs> that's I, really fun that's but what they hadn't counted on is they have a kid who is obsessed with monsters and dinosaurs <laughs> so of course that's i want to see the, the dragon. worst possible thing to tell you yeah yeah so they also um told me that uh that alligators lived in the sewers and there's some really great, uh, some great photographs of me in my my Ghostbusters uniform at the time. Perfect. With a fishing pole flushed down the toilet, trying to catch an alligator. That is adorable. Yeah, yeah. I was a very special kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. So yeah, but it it does serve a purpose uh, of a cautionary tale mm-hmm. to keep a kid away from something that is dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and it's Australia, so we know... Everything is dangerous, is. yeah. <laughs> Probably have a lot of cautionary tales. Yeah. So, yeah, stay away from the stay away from the water. The bunyip will get you. Well, what's the bunyip? Well, it's kind of this generic idea. Maybe it's maybe it's something for somebody younger. I'm not going to make it super scary. It's just, uh, watch out. It'll, Enough to stay away. Yeah. Or if it's somebody older. Oh, well, you should know what lies in wait for you, young fella. <laughs> you know? <there's>, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, and I kind of like that flexibility that comes with the bunny up. It has a lot of, lot of range. For sure. Now, uh, I'm not finding a lot of indication that it is intelligent or can communicate. Uh, it is just kind of a part of the landscape. It is, it is a Just like any beastie. other yeah. beast that's out there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it doesn't love, uh, one treat more than another, um, just likes uh, likes those big giant bear hugs <laughs> that, that are murderous yes murderous bear hugs um but that being said it doesn't wander into cities it doesn't uh, it doesn't come looking for trouble so kind of it kind of keeps to its own yeah yeah if you go near uh, where it lives then you're in for trouble uh but if you uh, if, if you just have a farm uh eh, maybe the dingo will, dingo will eat your baby but the bunyip probably won't <laughs> You need to coin that phrase. (laughs) That's adorable. All right, guys, it's time for another break with another promo. Um, This one is for a show called Cutting Class. Ooh, I've never done that. Cutting (laughs) Class. Never, never. Um, Basically, they are two high school teachers that uh, tell you about history, and they're funny as hell. Cool. So, we highly recommend them. I have enjoyed everything I've heard of theirs. So, check them out. Here's the promo. Hi, we're Cutting Class Podcast. Are you interested in skinny dipping with Mao Zedong? 
How about listening to sexy and suicidal subliminal messages? Maybe destroying an entire city with flaming birds. Or how about having a bowl of anti-pornography cereal? We're two high school history teachers that like to cover the lesser-known stories of American and world history. You can check us out on iTunes or anywhere else that you get your podcasts or CuttingClassPodcast.com. So, uh, I don't know, let's talk alignment for a little bit. If, if, yeah. if our noble adventuring party were to encounter the Bunyip, um, what would it be? I don't know. Um, so, okay, so what are we talking version-wise? Okay, so what world? It would be one where our characters have to wander out into the desert or the, you know, the outback. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have, we have several different versions yeah, yeah, of this Yeah, there are different pantheons right? and there are different, yeah, and, and there are versions, yeah. Let's stick with the one that is kind of the more just traditional shaggy gray, mostly okay. mammal fur. Are we going with like the ominous dread feeling yeah, that the, that maybe that the it, maybe colonists... It, it does have some kind of pro- energy projection feel okay. to it. Okay. Which I like. That's smart because it keeps people away. It may it not be as cool. threatening yeah. as it appears to be, but if it can push out a sense of dread to other people or, or to potential intruders, I guess, mm-hmm. to its area, that I mean, that makes sense as something like a power that it would have. Sure, yeah, right? it's nature's way of saying "don't touch." Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I guess it really depends on if it's actually evil or if it's projecting. Yeah. Evil, right? I mean, how <laughs> how murderous is the intent behind these bear hugs? Does he really just want to cuddle you? Yeah. Or does he want to kill and eat you? And I think he is killing to eat. Um, and she as well. I'm sure yeah. there are. They. Yeah, they. Yeah. <laughs> um, All of them. Yeah, I don't think they are enslaving people or torturing them. I think they are just killing yeah. them. Because- I mean, like you said, there's not that intelligence there. It's. It's a creature. It needs to eat. It needs to sleep. It needs to survive. Yeah. Right. And so those I, are the goals. I would be tempted to put it almost in the true neutral category. That it, That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. It's yeah. it's something that if I was a druid, I would say, no, this is the this is the Bunyip's territory. We will not. Uh, Leave it alone. Yeah. It leaves you alone. Right. Because that's 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 a true neutral thing right there. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't affect you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. It doesn't impact you. You're not concerned with it. But if you are a bad person, like, I don't know, I keep thinking of, like, loot and plunder from Captain Planet. (laughs) Just the generic, you know, evildoers on the environmental side. Mm -hmm. Well, if they're going to go put some toxic waste in the the swamps and billabongs, well, the Bunyip will make sure that they've got some comeuppance. Right, like, protect its own and protect its area. It seems like it would be a very territorial creature. Yeah. And what I'm a little bit uh, curious about is how does the bunyip interact with other uh, animals other animals around? Yeah. How does it work with, um, you know, really the, the big crocodiles that they've got? Yeah, I would I would assume some grudging respect, right? Because it's it's at least on par with the size of many yeah. of them, right? So if, it, if it's a super territorial creature... I like to imagine really cool epic battles between bunyips <laughs> and, and saltwater crocodiles. That would be amazing. Yeah, very much like uh, like they have in the Nile between hippopotamus and, yeah, and so that Nile is crocodiles. Epic, definitely. Um, these are creatures that are big players in the same scene, and sometimes they there are conflicts. Mm-hmm. So that's that, that's what I like to picture the bunyip doing. It almost makes me wonder because I know that there was one account talking about the bunyip. Um, Having like a cow-like head, yeah, or a calf-like head, and I've right? seen some illustrations. I've that seen look a little hippo-y, mm-hmm. right? Well, I mean, it could. The, there's potential. I don't think there are there are hippos that are indigenous to Australia. No, there are not. But we do know that they are an invasive species. So if some were transported there, um, or somehow got there, I don't know. It, maybe, maybe anything's you know, possible, right? I mean, we know that that happens um, in South America, mm-hmm. right? And they're slowly taking over the landscape, <laughs> <laughs> which is great and also dangerous. But um, that's an interesting aspect yeah. to think about. Yeah, and it's really uh, it's a fun 
idea to just kind of sit and, and think how this how this creature would live because it has so many different descriptions to it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a if it is a shapeshifter, a shape changer, what I think is interesting is uh, as a fantastical creature. Why would it change its skin color? Yeah, and what's its the, texture? What's the intention behind that? Yeah, and for me, um, I look at a lot of a lot of those adaptations are reactions to external forces. Uh, right, it's to stay warm or to stay cool to camouflage. Move, yeah, move through water easily or to camouflage those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So maybe it has some kind of palette of of attributes it can take on depending on what it, what's around it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hard to say for sure. Uh, <laughs> if anyone catches a bunyip, take a good look and let us know. <laughs> take some pics. Yeah. Send them our way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think that they are universally, uh, uh, they're carnivorous. They they eat people. They eat livestock. They eat whatever they can get their claws on. Um, or hug to death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see a lot of greed or, you know, covetousness to them. They don't take more than they need. Mm-hmm. They seem like a pretty a pretty typical beastie. Yeah, yeah, pretty standard. They do have a charm all their own. Uh, now, do you think, being from Australia and a possible holdover from a prehistoric marsupial, do you think they have a pocket? I sure hope so. I like to imagine that. I with sure a pocket. hope so. Yeah. Maybe they keep treasures there. Ooh, yeah. A whole, a whole new element to it that we're completely making up and i love that (laughs) the bunyip pocket the The, bunyip pocket (laughs) the most magical place in the whole universe (laughs) (laughs) so magical that we don't even know about it yep (laughs) but based on pure conjecture (laughs) it's plausible yeah sure i mean it's it's chimeric like we've talked about and there's that element of many of the other creatures that are in australia Mm -hmm. um so there's no reason why it can't have a pocket no and really there's there's all kinds of different things i could tack onto them but i do like that there are still some some elements that do carry through that it always does have claws and it always has teeth and it it usually lives in the in the water in these particular areas Mm -hmm. um and it and that's enough of a consistent story that it makes a pretty good creature definitely yeah and I actually want to touch back on hippos for just a second here. While they seem like such a weird stretch to get a hippo to Australia, uh-huh. um, there was actually a find in 1818 uh, that was pretty cool. It's written here. One of the earliest accounts re- relating to a large unknown freshwater animal was in 1818 when Hamilton Hume and James Meehan found some large bones at Lake Bathurst in New South Wales. They did not call the animal a bunyip, but described the remains as indicating the creature as very much like a hippopotamus or manatee. The Philosophical Society of Australasia later offered to reimburse Hume for any costs incurred in recovering a specimen of the, of the unknown animal. But for unknown reasons, Hume did not return to the lake. It might be noted that diprotodon skeletons have sometimes been compared to hippopotamus. They are a land animal, but have sometimes been seen in a lake or water course. Oh. And that, yeah, the diprotodon, that's it that. ties it all together. Yeah, that's that old timey predecessor to modern marsupials. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. I mean, think of what we, what, what in North America, we, we have our, our uh, megatherium giant ground slots. If you've ever been to the, you know, any of the natural history museums here in North America, you usually have the illustration of the big giant bear looking sloth. Yeah. Um, and we, I know we have them here in Utah. And that's kind of what the diprotodon looked like. Okay. Um, it had a that it, makes sense. Yeah, it had a very, very heavy build to it, and it's a big, shaggy mammal. I, that sounds exceptionally like some of the accounts of the bunyip, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as far as being a hippo, there's a, there's there's bigger stretches out there of the imagination yeah, to, I mean, to make sense of these things. Pangea was a thing. Yeah. Right? Maybe one snuck on. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guess two. Yeah. It would have to be. It would have to be a couple of them. <laughs> the Noah's Ark theory. Yeah, well. They made their own Noah's Ark. <laughs> countless arguments against it. We'll put this as a possibility for maybe four. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting that there's that element to it. And I like that 
another source entirely thought of that, especially, I mean, some of the illustrations and stuff that I, that I've seen of the Bunyip mm-hmm. basically look like a shaggy hippo. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense yeah. and is terrifying because hippos are scary as fuck. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's not they something look, I want to run their into. Their babies are cute and little cuddly things and they are vicious creatures. They're adorable when viewed through an underwater camera. <laughs> Because <laughs> then they get that weightlessness to them, and I do like the idea of a of a bunyip skipping along a riverbed, you know, in in, in so cute in a weightless the your, fantasia moment of yeah, the bunyip. It's shaggy fur just flowing <laughs> around behind it as it leaps through a kelp bed. I do like that. I do like that image. <laughs> I, I I picture it looking very much like a like Sweetums the Muppet. The, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. So that that would be a, a reasonable uh, approximation right there. Mm-hmm. And again, they're not creatures. They're not joyless creatures. They're just hungry. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like any other creature always is. Yeah. I really do like that there's a variety of different attitudes that are taken toward the bunyip. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lighthearted thing. Sometimes it's something very, very scary. Um, from what I can tell, um, the name itself comes from the Aboriginal language and it means devil or evil spirit. It does have this really dark, you know, scary, supernatural feel to it. Mm-hmm. However, it, it, the creature has, has changed over the years. Um, since the, in, in the early Dreamtime stories, it, it, uh, every time a creature interacts with the bunyip, uh, they learn a lesson not to go back to the bunyip. Don't mess. Yeah. It, but it has kind of grown and changed and evolved a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's a fun thing. That's all thing. good stories, too. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> there are definitely some that are kind of kind of wicked and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, some accounts that uh, he can raise or lower the water level in their home environment interesting yeah to flood out uh, to flood out crops or to drain a well nearby and uh so it does have uh that folk belief elements of of natural disasters being explained yeah it also has a roar that can be so powerful that if mm-hmm. you if one is to wander into its territory uh without uh, welcome or respect uh, she'll probably never get. <laughs> yeah, you, you might uh, hear this bellowing roar that can be so powerful, it'll actually uh, cripple you. Like like stun you? Yeah, stun you or or, or injure you in some way. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's even one legend that describes a mo- this monster hypnotizing a woman and keeping her for several weeks as a captive. Ooh. But, uh, Which maybe speaks to more intelligence than we were thinking. Yeah, and a little bit more ma- malevolence as well. Um, and now in that story, uh, the spell was broken by a large thunderstorm. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so it, it's cool that there are some different takes on, on the bunyip and, yeah. and what it's all about. Either way, it is a welcome addition to our, our little creature features here. For sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, that's pretty much uh, what we need to say on the bunyip. That's all I've got. Lindsay, do you have any, anything you really want to add? You know, not really. I think we've covered some really great ground with it. It yeah. seems like a really cool creature. It really is. And I know that we bounced around a little bit. And I'm sure, uh, like, for, I know for a fact we do have some listeners in Australia. And this is their home team right here. So. Right. If we missed anything, if we went too fast, or if we were just outright wrong about anything, let please, <laughs> yeah, let us know. Um, especially if you want to fund a follow-up visit uh, as a research expedition to Australia. Perfect. Yeah, let's let's go with that. Let's make that happen. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. Um, but really, uh, in short, Australia, thank you so much for this cool creature. This is something that is really a fun thing to be able to research and really fun to share. Uh-huh. Bunyip is such a cool name, like we talked about earlier. It's so adorable. And the fact that it gives murderous hugs, thank you for giving us that creature. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that means it can can actually be said, you know, geez, you look like you've seen a ghost. What's the matter with you? The bunyip's after me. (laughs) You're like, the bunyip. (laughs) I love it. So, yeah, but it's something that should be respected. Yes. But also... um, Loved a little bit. Like all of nature. Yeah. 
yeah, so that wraps it up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, just a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks, at Twitter uh, at Folklore Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find pictures, notes, and sources on our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. We have a Patreon. We've got a PayPal button on our website. Um, we have a merch shop either coming soon or currently existing, uh, depending on how busy my time is. I'm going to guess not existing yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but someday soon. And then we do ask if you have any personal stories about a creature, a monster, or a cryptid that... Even if even if you didn't know what it was, um, like maybe you encountered a bunyip. Yeah, if you did, I want to hear about it. <laughs> yes, please email it to us um, at stories at folkloreontherocks.com. We want to gather enough to do a listener's episode. And we also ask that if you feel so inclined to rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. We are doing something a little bit special right now. Uh, we're offering free stickers With our logo. And these are good stickers. They are. Um, Free stickers. They're vinyl stickers. They're really cool. They're like three by three, I think. Um, So if you do want some, go ahead and leave us a hopefully nice review (laughs) so I don't cry. Yeah, (laughs) nice is good. Uh, Constructive is always helpful. (laughs) Yes. Um, and leave that on iTunes and then just take a screenshot of that, email that and your mailing address to us um, to mail at Folklore on the Rocks or admin at Folklore on the Rocks. Either is fine. And we will mail you some stickers for free. And it can be international. That's totally fine. Um, you know, we, we love having the listeners that we have all across the world. It's so we feel privileged to yeah. have that. We really do. Um, we, we like we've talked about previously, we try to make a concerted effort to talk about creatures that locally we may, we may not have heard of and ones that you in a different country may have never heard of. You know, we want to kind of spread it around the map um, as often as possible. Yeah. So, um, once once we hit 100 reviews on iTunes, we are going to release a bonus episode with a listener-selected creature. Yes, So there's please. that incentive of the stickers and the incentive of an additional episode um, that you may get a say in to leave us those reviews. Yeah, and if you get one of these stickers, please send us some pictures of wherever you stick them. Yeah, yes. Please do. Uh, yeah, we love seeing that uh, That really that this show is reaching out there to all mm-hmm. around the world. And that's a really cool feeling. And it makes us want to do even more here. Absolutely. Um, and just tell your friends. You know, word of mouth is the best possible thing that you could do for us. In yeah. addition to leaving a review. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it really helps. It helps podcast out. I know that I really enjoy hearing about different podcasts from my friends. And I end up listening to a good, a good chunk of them and finding stuff that I love. So if, if you love us, please do the same for your friends. Yeah. Spread the love. <laughs> but all I right. got that's all for us. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next time. 